0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to Spin is a Four-Letter Word, the Maroon PR podcast, all things PR, journalism, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, With me today is Jen Renahan, our COO. Hello, Jennifer. Hello. And our silent but deadly producer, Brittany Everett. She's giving thumbs up. (laughs) Um, With us today is somebody who I not only have great respect for, but he's considered one of my closest friends. Um, He's been covering the Orioles for close to 25 years. Um, I am dating him. It's Rock Kabatko with Mass and Sports. Rock, thank you so much for joining us.
1: And when you say you're dating me, you just mean like numerically. Yeah. Right? Well, I just mean, to we, make this clear for our listeners. Yeah,
0: yeah that's true. Although on some Sundays, uh, Sundays guys... at the house, we kind of have our time together uh, watching the Jets. So well, yeah,
1: we, we have we have embraced after a Jets win. We have.
0: That. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> Not many embraces, but we've done it. Yeah. Um anyway, Brock, <laughs> Rock, jumping into some more serious stuff. Hey, Rock, just talk a little bit if you could. I mean, you're a Maryland guy through and through. Went to University of Maryland, came out of school, started working for the Baltimore Sun and and covering uh, the Orioles um you know, a long time ago. And talk a little bit of just about how journalism as a whole has evolved since you got into the business and has changed and, you know, just kind of moved to the speed of light because of social media and digital and whatnot.
1: It has been. And some people might say it's not really evolving anymore. (laughs) It's dying (laughs) a slow death, but uh, it has absolutely changed from the days where, you know, I, I, I was the uh, what they say, the ink stained wretch, whatever that expression was in the newspaper yep. business. And and there was no social media. I mean, I go back far enough. I even, they weren't even cell phones. Like I it wasn't the Internet. Everything was different right. back then. And, and it was a whole different approach to your job. And it was the you, you know, got yourself a scoop, you hoped, and you would file your story for the newspaper. And then you would sweat it out the next day when you went to buy a Washington Post, for example, And open it up to make sure they didn't have the story or make sure they didn't have something that they didn't have something you didn't know about and which happened frequently. And now, I mean, it is instantaneous. You find out something, you don't sit on it. I mean, you immediately tweet it, which I never thought I'd be on Twitter when it first came out. I made fun of people (laughs) on the beat when they would rush out in the hallway at the ballpark to tweet something. And I'd make a stupid tweet tweet sound. And now here I am. I'm accused of being a serial tweeter. But now... (laughs) It is instantaneous. The news, it'll flash. You get it out there. And if you still work for a newspaper, the second thing you do is post something on your blog real quick. And the third thing is you actually write something for the newspaper for the next day. So that's how this has evolved. And obviously, uh, I I don't think you see as many stories necessarily, you know, flushed out like you used to. Uh, And certainly the race to be first uh, isn't always, doesn't always help as far as accuracy goes. I mean, it's like, you know, you want to get it out there and then it's like, Oh, you know, maybe I should have confirmed that. Not me, but I've seen other people do that and at the expense of being accurate back in the day, to sound like an old man here, if you posted something that wasn't accurate, you could lose your job. Yeah. And now you just say, Oh, sorry. And you move on to the next story.
0: Yeah. No, really and changing. another, another part of that rock, I think. And, and I think it's a pet peeve with several writers. Um, uh, including you is when 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 you break something and then other people may tweet about it or post about it and not give credit and yeah. you know it's just there's some standards that y- you know in the rush to be first or the rush to be quick or the first on Twitter sometimes standards fall through the cracks and that's that's a little bit maddening isn't it
1: it, it is and I've heard plenty of fans or seen it on on social media when somebody does say, you know, uh, catching up on credit. So and so was first, and I'll read the comments immediately and fans will be like, "Who cares? Like that's only something you guys care about." Mm. But I think it is important to to give credit first, and not sometimes I have a little bit of a problem with I had it in a way somebody had it literally a second before me. So do I really? It's like the you know photo finish. Do I really just say, "Oh, actually he had it that split second before because he can tweet faster?" <laughs> but you know, if, certainly though, if I if I have to you know, look up something that I read from somebody else or get verification or whatever, because of what they had, they absolutely should be credited. And I noticed, you know, you see that all over kind of comes and goes. I know some people that are really diligent about, hey, getting caught up from last night, I noticed these three people had something first, then other people get a little more lax with it. Mm -hmm. And, And I know it's painful, it's painful on the beat to have to admit that you didn't have something first. Again, I don't know why there's not a trophy (laughs) <laughs> or a cash prize for paid first. there literally isn't and i think a lot of it though mlb trade rumors on the baseball d i think is really heightened that where now because if you're you know if they notice whoever had it first they're going to go ahead and post that and that person gets credit everybody mm-hmm. sees it and so even though know, there's not like a scoreboard i still think that you know it gets noticed a lot yeah. more so people want to be on trade rumors that's good for your site when i first started this blog you know, at the Baltimore Sun, then going to, to MassonSports.com, you know, you're worried about is anybody could even follow me. And especially when I moved to Masson, I didn't know if anybody would be able to find me. It's not like the Baltimore Sun held a press conference to announce where mm-hmm. I was going next. They wanted me to just disappear. They don't want to lose, you know, readers and have my followers, you know, leave that site. So, you know, there is that consistency, you know, you, ought, you want to promote as much as you can. I feel like I've reached the point now where enough people know yeah. where I am and know the site that's not as important. But early on, it definitely was a big deal to get credited and have people say, oh, Mass in Sports is a place to go for news, not just for Rock's stupid quips.
0: Hey, we're with Rock Kabatko, <clears throat> beat writer uh, for the Baltimore Orioles, for Mass in Sports. Check out uh, School of Rock, MassinSports.com. Just a little plug there, Rock. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jen? Thank you.
2: <laughs> so, it, you know, given that you really had to kind of build your own personality and, and and because it was your blog, blog and then you had to find, you know, find your own followers, that's a lot of pressure. And in the shift of kind of, you can never really put things away. You're always probably looking at your Twitter, looking for the next story. Like, how do you balance, like, wh- life and work now in this environment? Like, before you used to, you probably, you know, you would file your story, go home, go to sleep, go b- wake up, go back to the ballpark. Um, but how do, you, how do you balance life now? I don't. <laughs> I, well, it's a lot I, of I pressure. It is yeah. a lot of pressure. Yeah. and believe me, people that you know I've dated
1: somebody that I got engaged to and married—they will point out if I'm on my phone a lot. But yeah, <laughs> yeah and, and and it's all—it's all self-inflicted pressure. Honestly, I don't have anybody at Masson yeah. or at the website that says, "Rock, why didn't you have this? Or you have to have this first, and you need sure. to break this story." It's just a, more of a pride thing, and I think a lot of it did start with mass. And first of all, coming from a newspaper, I'm not so, so suddenly going to be able to downshift and say the news isn't important. But also I did want people to kind of stick with me and right. or find where I had gone, and there was a competition thing because they gave Peter Schmuck a blog immediately before I was even able to start mine. They shut me down for the last <laughs> two weeks at The Sun and they launched his, so I was a little nervous about that. So in a little bit, you know, a little bit, yeah. <laughs> but who's left standing now? No, anyway. <laughs> but uh, so, but you know, like I've literally sat down to have contract talks with my boss and They've said, "Rock, seriously, we don't care if you break anything. yeah Like we don't. We don't. You know, if if some minor league guy signs a minor league deal or whatever." We don't care if you have it or not. And I'm like, you're right, and then I go out there and tweet it real fast. And well, that's how you're built. I think that's how you're built. Yeah, it is, and and I think I've done a better job of the balance, but it is really hard. And you know, we talk about this on the beat, like, man, remember the days when you know, you're right, you would file a story, yeah, and then the the desk would say, all right, call in a couple hours, you know, check and make sure there aren't any questions, and you would call, and they'd say, no, you're good. And you were done for the night yeah. and you really, you were able to go out and everybody was, you know, friendly. It's like you're competing, but we were also, as John knows, we were all friends on the beat as well. Mm-hmm. And it was great. Now it's like, I've heard people, you know, and I'll mention Schmuck again, you know, we, on the rare occasion we go out to dinner. He's like, you guys are all on your phones. It's like, yeah, you, <laughs> you can't put them down. The winter meetings, people want me to go out to dinner with them. I'm like, but, but I could be ordering this my, during the salad course. Some news could break. I can't go have, go to dinner. It's, it's, you can't put it down. Eleven o'clock at night, midnight. Uh, something could break, and it'll be on Twitter immediately. And it's really, it is really hard to detach yourself and and just put it away and say, okay, if something happens at one in the morning, so be it, you know, I'll, I'll catch up the next day. There, it's it's really hard to just completely walk away from it yeah. or, or for me to just pass it on to somebody else. Say, look, you got to, you got to check Twitter tonight. I've got other plans. I'm still probably going to be checking my phone at some point and And I'm tr- trying really hard to stop doing that.
2: Yeah. It's just, and it's interesting. It, you, I mean, in a sense, you've always tried to brand yourself, you know, as a journalist, as like, there's a, a brand that you want to portray and, and followers you want to grow but it's just so much heightened now like every single reporter is on social and trying to fill their build their fan base um it's just crazy it's just a lot a lot going on in the world for, It <laughs> is, and it's also, so
1: it's, and it's not just reporters now all of a sudden it became cool for people to think of themselves as an insider i think a mm-hmm. lot of that again trade rumors and you know it's a credit to like MLB Network and the Ken Rosenthal's and the John Haymans and people like that, Jeff Passan. It's like all of a sudden it used to be that we were like the nerdy ones, the, the ball writers right. or whatever. And it's not like we had a bunch of groupies, but now you'll get you know kids literally or who like you know are trying to break stories. And and putting things on their on their Twitter account, and it's because they think it's cool to be an insider. I'm like, when did that shift? You
0: yeah, know, nobody,
2: yeah.
1: no, nobody cared about us when we were just you know writing for a newspaper. But it has changed. It yeah. became like a big deal to, to to break stories and get have all these people crediting you and get mentioned on on it, you know, MLB Network or wherever, ESPN.
0: Yeah. Hey, Rock, I'm old enough to remember when all this started for you with the blog and whatnot. And I remember when when the Sun first kind of. I guess moved you off of the paper, the main beat, and gave you the blog, um, and then kind of you started to get into the social media universe. It wasn't something that was viewed very positively by you, and we all had questions: "What does this mean? A blog? What the hell's that?" and all that good stuff. <laughs> I mean, can you reflect on that a little bit? Because where you've brought it now, you have fifty-eight thousand followers on Twitter. Your your blog is one of the most widely read baseball blogs in the country, and that was through a lot of hard work. Like, what shifted your mindset? How did you evolve to this? And how did you grow this following, um, which is pretty substantial now?
1: Yeah. I mean, it, thank goodness people did follow me from the sun uh, mm-hmm. to Masson. But, you know, it's true. When when I was called into the editor's office as Randy Harvey came up with this idea for a blog, I was like, what is that? And I think at the time there was one on the news side and nobody in sports. So I was like, the second person to have one. And I said, I don't even know what this is. And they were, and they were like, you know, this is something that, you know, you, you can do from anywhere, which was important at the time because I was kind of divided. My daughter was living in Arizona with her mom at that time. And I was dating somebody in Fort Lauderdale and I'm living in Maryland trying to cover the beat. So I was like all over the place. And he's Mm -hmm. like, you know, wink, wink, literally you could do this from the dining room table at anybody's house. You you don't have to be tied to the Baltimore. And you know, you can bring out more your personality than what you're able to do in writing a dry game story. And, but it was, there was some confusion. There were a lot of questions. Well, how does this work? I'm still on the Oriole beat. I was still sent to spring training, but I'm not the lead guy or even the backup. I was operating separately, but still with them. And I remember talking to Dan Conley and he's like, Hey, you know, it, it, I've got some news here, or if you get some news, maybe you were supposed to give that to us. Or are you supposed to just go ahead and blog that you know shouldn't I go to the newspaper first and I was like I have not been given any direction I don't know so I felt like <laughs> I was kind of like on an island by myself but still with everybody it was a really weird feeling to be operating that way separately but still a member of the quote Baltimore Sun team yeah. and I remember that first day that we did that at spring training I started writing and then I um, what one of the uh, guys at the Sun who was in charge of I guess social media whatever said rock that basically the site crashed because we weren't prepared for this many people, like wow. this kind of awesome. traffic. Yeah. And I was like, wow, that's a good sign. And then it just <laughs> really took off from there. And you know, but here's the big mistake I made is I'm thinking, thank goodness, I don't have to be the lead guy anymore and worry about breaking news and making contacts and calling scouts and agents and all the stuff. I don't, it was too much pressure. You could just be, they said, we just want you to be a humor guy, you know, almost like a David Letterman mm-hmm. monologue type or whatever. Just make it funny and whatever you want to write about. I should have stuck with that. <laughs> but, again, the pride comes in of I want to break a story and I want to beat the And I know, especially when I went to Mass and I was like, I want to beat the sun because, you know, they, I left them. But you know how that is. You go to a new yeah, team and you yeah. want to beat up on them.
2: Well, so, you're a journalist um, but, by nature. You're not just a yeah. guy who wants to blog things. Like, so, yeah, That's that makes it. a lot of sense. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Also, it's really hard to be funny on demand every day. I should also <laughs> mention that. You know, it's like, oh, I got to go come up with something funny again this morning. But yeah, so you you want to break a few stories. You want to get mentioned in trade rumors. And all of a sudden it became, well, it's important to break news. I did have one boss who's no longer at Mass and was loving it. Break all the stories you can. This is great. While well, other people were saying, hey, it's not important to break them. Right. But I, I made kind of quote mistake of do, doing that. And then I fell right back into that beat writer trap that. Nobody wants to hear you whine. You write about baseball for a living, but it is an incredible grind and so much pressure, uh, whether self-inflicted or not. And I should have just stuck with the humor column. <laughs> I should have, you know, was, this is all my mm-hmm. fault here. Mm-hmm.
2: So fast forward to when you decided to join Twitter. How have you managed, um, you know, fan reactions, negative comments? How do you how do you approach that? In,
0: <laughs> yeah I'm like and, the, the, and Rock before you answer <laughs> yeah. that too like building off of that like do you ha- like what's the tipping point where you have to block somebody like yeah, you that's go that's through that. a lot of that because everybody has an opinion everyone's problem not everybody most people I see really like you and they really react favorably to you but there's jerks on Twitter it's a tough place you know
1: yeah, it, it's it's a playground for garbage people, and there's always a line at the swing set. <laughs> just <laughs> how it is on Twitter, it really down. is. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's 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 really it's it's a blessing in so many ways, and it is a way to really connect with people immediately, and grow your following. And you can I can be you know quippy uh, on yeah, Twitter yeah. while still remembering yeah. that's a massive account. Uh, one of my all time favorites was when I was covering uh, or not covering, but just watching at home one of the playoff games. It's like a Royals. Athletics game that was just a marathon, and they kept running uh, Viagra ads every half inning. So I just tweeted with all these Viagra ads. I knew this game was going to last more than four hours, <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's probably the most likes and retweets I've ever gotten. My that's life. it. But that's your to... <laughs> most
2: famous tweet.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It was around midnight, twelve thirty in the morning. I thought I could sneak that one by, but yes, unfortunately, I, I I've had to block a lot of people. I didn't discover the mute feature till later. Mute is great because then you don't lose the follower. And they're just talking to the wall. They have no idea you've muted them. I do that on the blog too with some commenters, but <laughs> Twitter, I'm still, I'm still not really great at, and, and it's a work in progress as well as, as handling what we call the trolls. It's yeah. you, you're better yeah. off just ignoring them. People say don't feed the trolls, and every once in a while, you kind of fall in that rabbit hole where you know, you fire back at one person and somebody else comes at you and you end up being the one who looks bad.
2: Right. And yeah, Yeah.
1: it's not, it's not the 16 year old kid in his basement who's insulting you and high fiving, you know, his, his friend. It's you, the professional, who can't be so thin-skinned. So I'm, uh, I'm still it,
0: in that world, like, Rock, where, I, you know, I, and you've seen this, where I tweet something, and like three minutes later, I'm like, oh, shoot, I better not do that. Let me right. delete it. And <laughs> thankfully, because I don't have 58,000 followers, nobody cares, you know? <laughs> Nobody's screen-grabbing it and torturing me with it later. So. Yeah.
1: I will say one of the all-timers, and it's probably the most that I've uh, blocked people, and they weren't even followers, is I had tweeted something about another team. I'm not going to even say which one. But something negative about this team, just an offhand, like, oh, this got guy, these guys again. And somebody rounded up uh, all this 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 entire fan base and launched tweets at me at an exact time, like two PM the next day. Oh, I got funny. bombarded with tweets from these fans just crushing me. And obviously it was wow. orchestrated. Yeah. It was pretty impressive. Yeah. But was... <laughs> instead of just laughing it off, I was kind of coming back at a few of them and it was like, well, now you can't win. Cause yeah. now they're just coming and it was like days later that was still but right at that exact time they just started firing off and and somebody was even making like fake tweets making it look like tweets from me that even weren't one oh my god said, i pick one of them said my parents let me pick out my own name which i thought it was actually funny <laughs> i didn't block him so i thought that was pretty clever
0: that was pretty good oh my god <laughs> so, so you have I, to
1: be careful it's like what is it That don't get into a uh whatever contest with a skunk yeah or whatever you, you know you you just have to ignore you can mute you can just not check your mentions or just quietly block if you have to the worst thing you can do is engage people who are baiting you yeah and i still fall in that trap once in a while not that i'm encouraging people now to do that yeah do not bait rock
2: well and we find sometimes like with our uh, clients and pages we manage that sometimes the fan base will jump in in your defense and kind of do this stuff for you yeah (laughs) that's true yeah that is nice and and anybody
0: who isn't following rock give him a follow it's at mass and rock on twitter he's funny and breaks a lot of news he does both and he just doesn't sleep and his wife gets mad at him but uh, (laughs) that's uh, that's his problem hey rock talk a little bit about you you know over the years covering covering a baseball team mostly guys in their 20s and 30s right and i've kind of like Felt this a little bit, like as you've gotten a little bit older and more experienced and now you go into the locker room and there's, there's just players that honestly could be your son, right? That, that age. I mean, is it a little more challenging relating to them? And second part of that, how do you find the athletes today compared to maybe back in the nineties when he first started covering the teams? All
1: right. Well, I'm trying to remember what it's like to be in the clubhouse because it's been a while. (laughs) We didn't get to do that at all. Uh, We we were just have to be able to get on the field uh, for pregame this past season. That didn't even start out that way. But it is funny when I think about age wise before it was players. I'm like, holy crap, there's nobody even close to my age in here. But now Mike Elias, the executive vice president, GM is like 20 years younger than I am. (laughs) So That's startling, you know, and obviously Brandon Hyde's younger than I am. And I'm like, wow, is is this a reflection on me or them? So. I've been able to adapt either way. I like to think it's also the way I adapt to an upscale bar or a dive bar. Like I can adapt to a veteran clubhouse or a minor league type setting. Uh, I've been fortunate. We've had really good clubhouses either way. Hasn't, there haven't been many toxic clubhouses, but it definitely I feel like is a little easier when you do have a younger group because they haven't had a chance to be jaded yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, you might get the occasional little big league guy, but most of the times they're just happy to talk to you to be getting that kind of attention Uh, and they're just really nice and respectful. I mean, you know, as opposed to sometimes if you're in a more of a a veteran grizzled clubhouse Mm -hmm. and I'm really grateful when the team is struggling the way it is now, obviously Mm -hmm. in a rebuild, it's nice to have a younger group because when you have a veteran group that thinks they're going to win and then everything falls apart and I've covered those teams, you have all those losing seasons. You can get guys who either are a lot, lot grouchier or just don't want to deal with you at all, and can, there's a million places to hide in a clubhouse mm-hmm. where you're, you know they're off limits to of the media, and you just can't get anybody.
0: In, uh, case anyone, in case anyone's wondering, Rock is specifically benching the 1998 Baltimore <laughs> <laughs> after, after two trips to the ALCS <laughs> in 96 know. and 97. Yeah.
1: Exactly. I still remember the one year when uh, everybody was waiting at Chris Hoyle's locker after a game. It'd gone like over four. And he goes, why are you guys all waiting for me? And I said, because you came out of the shower. <laughs> you're
0: <laughs> like, the only one that'll talk to you're us. You're the
1: yeah. only one here. We're looking around. It's, it's like a ghost town in here. So, well, that's a good uh, segue,
0: Rock. Let me ask you this because – there are kind of in your industry and i remember when i worked for the teams all those years there's always there's the guys that are really challenging but there's also your go-to guys right there's guys that mm-hmm. you can always go to and you know they'll always be there for you i remember back in those late 90s you mentioned Hoyles, and certainly bordick falls in that category brady right. anderson for the most part was pretty available what um who's kind of like some of the, your favorite athletes that you've covered over the years that you've just enjoyed engaging with that have made themselves available and been been a little more thoughtful in their responses
1: um albert bell (laughs) Uh, really you just named a few and uh what's interesting though there's some guys who are universally good guys and everybody likes them and gets along with them that can be a bordick a hoyles a jeff rebele i always feel like every single backup catcher the Orioles ever had was a great guy Mm -hmm. whether it's you know it's Lenny Webster and you just go through the list of these great guys and a lot of the bullpen guys Uh, but then what I've really enjoyed is when you establish relationship with guys who almost are like the inner circle guys and I think Brady was one of them Brady might be my all-time favorite guy and we got along great and we consider each other friends now and yet I know people are like man I can't even approach that guy or I don't get what I need from him I felt like it was kind of like a, that comfort zone with him. And Mike Mussina was really rough on me at the beginning. He loved Mark Maskey from the post. And I just felt like I couldn't, he wasn't like overly rude. He just was not engaging and just it seemed like he just had time for me. And yet we bonded during the uh, playoff game in Seattle when he beat Randy Johnson in game one. Well, it's funny if I, could, if I
0: can, if I can interrupt you real quick, Rock Moose is one of my all time favorites. And I think it's yeah. funny if you talk to journalists that covered the team sporadically when he played, when it was somebody, maybe a TV guy or somebody that just wasn't out there regularly, they would say he's the biggest asshole in the world and they wouldn't want to cover him at all. But you talk to anybody who's covered them, would cover them with some regularity, and he you just have to win Mike over. He's a small town guy from PA, um, he's super smart. He sees through pe- people and bullshit. And like, you have to, you have to kind of earn his trust. Right. And, and right. I think once it, you did, he was, I'm with you, one of arguably one of my favorite guys. And in 95, I didn't have any relationship with him because my, all of my time was going to Cal Ripken in the streak. And so, I didn't have a time to bond with him, so it wasn't until later as well. But I And I appreciate that and respect that. But I just wanted to kind of jump in there because I think I love Moose, and uh, I just think he's one of those quality human beings that – People can the, – the word misunderstood thrown around way too much these days, but he was misunderstood.
1: <laughs> he was. And by the way, if you could say asshole, then I could have said pissing contest with a skunk. I wasn't sure what the
0: rules were here. Oh, there are no rules. I, I it's a podcast. Myself. It's like a blog. Okay. There are no yeah. rules. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a blog or Twitter. There are no rules.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but with Musita, I had really no relationship with him until we ended up, uh, I believe, riding the elevator back up to our rooms after that game, in the t- hotel and just, you know, small talk a little. And then the next day I was waiting for a cab and he came out and said, Hey, you want to ride with me? So we rode the, the cab together and we talked about kids, everything, but baseball. Mm-hmm. And by the time we got out of there, all of a sudden comfort zone completely. Yeah. And then, and then he was great with me. He just had to kind of break through a little bit, gain his trust, I think. And there, and there've been guys like that, plenty of guys like that. And I, I know there are people that weren't big fans of Mark Trumbo. Cause they thought that he was kind of uh uh like what certainly he's not like a real, real personable guy, but just thought that he almost like a stuck up kind of vibe you were getting mm-hmm. and just and wasn't real trusting initially and whatever. And yet I got along great with him and to this day, you know, can exchange texts and if I need anything or a story, we call. But I know though people tell you, Oh man, I hated covering that guy. Mark Trumble is a great guy. But again, you have to kind of break through and you know, I was able to do that with him as well. And I think there are some others too. And I don't know, maybe it's because I'm not your stereotypical sports writer. Let's be yeah. honest. I look like a guy that works out. So I think that <laughs> might
0: help. Still. That does help. I, I think it, it probably <laughs> I does it helps, help. I think, yeah. They, yeah. I think it helps. Yeah, like, and then kind of maybe, maybe help some gravitate to you a little bit. I think the interesting thing about locker rooms is they're really, they are truly diverse melting pots. And mm-hmm. I I think people need to understand, like, just like any office or any environment that you work in um, or walk into, there's probably, if there's 30 people, there's 10 that you'll really like, there's 10 that you might yeah. not like, and there's 10 that you'll be fairly indifferent to. So, you know, locker rooms are no different. These guys have, uh, but but they're probably more diverse than any place that you've, than, than most people kind of hang out. Sorry, Jen.
2: No, I was just going to say, and I mean, it all goes down to relationships and the time you put in to build a relationship, it's, you know, that's, part of journalism, right? I mean, it, it, yeah. it's even harder today with the challenges, like you said, that you're not in the locker rooms, everyone's on Twitter and not, you know, the, the personal touch kind of thing is, has gone away, but it just goes along. Right. Built relationships is, is what it's all about. Even right. on, on the and PR yeah. side too. Like that's how we build relationships with reporters and get stories placed yeah. that we want. So, you know, it's all it's, right. It goes full circle.
1: And you have to build their trust and you can't mm-hmm. burn them. And I think right. that's huge too. And there yeah. are players that they get the impression that you're, you have an ulterior motive when you're asking a question, you're trying to set them up. That's a problem. So there's there's definitely a skill mm-hmm. to asking a question and, and establishing a relationship. I remember Alan Mills, who's a great guy, one of my all-time favorites, but I remember that somebody, he had a, a tough game. I always feel bad because relievers usually only get interviewed when they blow a lead or have <laughs> a bad outing. How often do you go to a guy and say, hey, way to retire the side and the sub? <laughs> you never do that. Right. And so, and he had a bad outing, and somebody that he ha- didn't really know went up to ask him a question about it. And he kind of snapped and said, this is the only time you've talked in the all year is now when I have a bad game. And I always mm. tell people that. They ask my advice. I said, "Some not everybody wants to be small talk." But a guy like that and a lot of players respect, if you just go up to, say, chat, like, hey, how you doing, how's things going, even if it's a two-minute exchange, or go up and maybe ask something that has nothing to do with the game or a poor performance, just kind of build that that relationship, then when you do have to go up to them and ask that hard question, they're more apt to – give you the response that's really good to, advice i've seen you all year yeah, yeah. i've seen you all year and then i gave up four runs and now you want to talk to me it's so similar it's a, similar
0: to advice yeah. when i work for teams or i talk to younger people that work in teams or, or want or aspire to do that that's a key right i mean if you're the pr person that walks into the locker room and immediate is like can you do a live shot can you do this can you do this can you do this, you do this? players are going to avoid you like the plague but if you're right. in there every day and you're asking about how the kids are doing or you're asking how are the arms feeling or you're asking just anything, just making small talk and getting to know them a little bit and building some trust, then they don't see you as just here comes the guy that's going to ask me to do a bunch of stuff. And, and it's, right. it's going to help you, which is leads me to kind of – we'll let you go, Rocker, last question or two. But um, PR people, you deal with many of them, uh, some on the road, some with the team, you know, from your perspective, you know, what, what do you ask of PR people as a journalist to, you know, that makes you say, hey, this this is helpful, this is what what will help me do my job more effectively? How would you advise a PR person to work with journalists?
1: Yeah, I've told you this before, that I don't know how you're able to do the job and you're still the best that I've ever dealt with, but there is such a line that you have to walk where you have to be on the media side, but also on the team side. And when it's not that contentious between the two sides, I assume it's a little bit easier, but still, I don't know how you're able to do that as effectively as you do or anybody when players are like, well, why, why are you helping them? You're supposed to be helping us, protecting us. And then we're like, Hey, you know, we need stuff and you're supposed to be helping us. And you're kind of caught in the middle. So it's a, I know it's a real skill to be able to, to, to work that. And for, you know, it's really changing with the Orioles, certainly long since since you left. But right now, they've kind of shifted to where they would rather you go through them for any interviews. Uh, and, and we're going to be finding that, that out, especially now, if there really is a lockout uh, with the end of the collective bargaining agreement. But it's no longer where, hey, I have this guy's number on my phone, or at the end of the season, you would gather phone numbers and just call guys whenever you need in the off season. We really are relying on the PR staff because – they want to set up those interviews and they're great at doing it. So I can't really complain if they weren't, then it'd be an issue. But if I say, Hey, I'd love to get so-and-so just to talk about his off season program, you know, 99 times out of hundred, they can make that work uh, as long as the player's willing to do it. So that is, we're really more dependent and, and with zooms now because of the pandemic and no access to the players yeah. in the clubhouse, uh, we really have been more dependent than ever before on PR because we can't just sidle up to some guy at his locker and small talk him and mm-hmm. I can walk away and say, i just got two notebook items out of this. Everything has to funnel through PR now. So I think it's important, and I think I just voiced that to understand the position that you're in and, and not act like, hey, you only work for us and why why aren't you making this guy available uh, even if he doesn't want to talk? I mean, I, I understand that you know, you have to work both sides and sometimes you, you have to tell somebody in the media hey this guy you know just doesn't want to speak tonight we'll try and work something out tomorrow or hey he just gave up six runs in a third of an inning Why don't you go to somebody else and we'll try and maybe do something with him a little later when he cools down a little bit and you have to understand that you can't just assume that every time you want a guy pr's gonna go and fetch him and and you're gonna have him in 10 minutes or if guy limps off the field and you immediately want him when he's in a trainer's room for two hours or something. So I think you have to kind of understand the difficulty of the job. And like I said, I think with a younger clubhouse, it's probably a little bit easier now than when you did have the veteran guys who and a lot of them who weren't as trusting of the media. And then they're, you know, trying to avoid us that are somebody's hiding. It's like, hey, I got to get this guy. And I can think of many examples where you went and got somebody for me Bobby Bowe had a big home run in one of his first games with the Orioles. And I didn't know Bobby Bowe and the son really wanted me to get him for a post-game, I guess, notebook item. And he was in the video room. And I remember, which is usually off limits of the media, but you talked to him and led me in kind of secretly. And I was able to ask my two or three questions when I was done and thanked him. He gave me kind of the sarcastic smile and head nod like, yeah, yeah, great. Get out of here. <laughs> but it was fantastic. But you said, you set that up and, and, yeah, you didn't have to do that, but you you understood, and I'm sure you somehow sold that to him like, hey, Baltimore son, they really need you. Be quick, rock's a good guy. You probably said, lying through your teeth, and
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. It, and
1: made it work. So, well,
0: you know. thank you, thank you, rock. But look, I, I think it, it goes back, and Jen alluded to this earlier, it goes back to relationships, right? And sounds a little um antiquated, like, oh, relationships, yeah. relationships, it all is, and you know, just like. Yes, journalists understand the challenges of your job you need to understand the challenges of their job deadlines um, getting beat on stories uh, you know all the pressures that they're feeling and conversely like just with the, with the players um, when they ask those questions about I thought you were protecting us well you know suddenly and smartly he's explained my job is not to protect you my job is to serve as a balance between the media Front office, the locker room, and frankly, the coach's room, which is sometimes different than the locker room. And so, there's the you can do your job effectively. You can put and and the parties know. The journalists all know that push comes to shove. You're you're a member of the team. That's your employer. That's who your loyalty lies with. But it doesn't mean that you can't still do the right thing and do your job. But that was Rock Abaco Massinsports.com. School of Rock at MassinRock Rock on Twitter. He's got a lot more stories. We'll have to have him back again real soon. Thanks for listening to Spin is a 4 letter Word. If you like what you hear today, please subscribe. Send us your feedback, too. We want this to be interesting for everybody. And give us a follow at Maroon PR on Twitter and LinkedIn.